Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hi, Brittany. So it is no surprise that we're not huge fans of communism, like, at all. So, in fact, we've talked about it as being one of the worst isms there is. I mean, I I can't really think of any other worse ism except for totalitarianism, which is really yeah. just communism. So, so every time it's been tried, it's failed. We, we know this and it's kept people oppressed. It's halted the progress of prosperity and people living better lives. But if there's one thing we like to, to talk about, it's a good rebellion story. You know, we come from a country that began as a good rebellion story and people rising up in the face of tyranny. And I want to talk about a good one today. So today's topic, I want to start with a question, is how did rock and roll help strike back against communism? And I think this is a really fun topic. So during the Cold War, which we talked about briefly, we mentioned what that is. So a Cold War is kind of a time or is a time when when there's no physical war, but there's a lot of tension between different nations and maybe they're they're threatening each other, but nothing actually happened. It's like it's like when you poke your brother and sister and you're just like, hey, I'm not doing anything. Or like, did you ever used to put your finger near your oh, yeah. forehead? Be like, I'm not touching you. I'm not yeah. touching you. Yeah, I used to do that a lot. I mean, no, <laughs> I, n- I never acted that way. <laughs> that is a Cold War. You were engaging in a Cold War. So so during this time, during the Cold War, there was something called the Iron Curtain. And the Iron Curtain was like this dividing line that separated Europe into two parts. So there was Western ideology in one part, and then there was Eastern ideology on the other. And Connor, can you kind of explain the difference in what these two are? Yeah, you know, the... Uh, it's difficult to generalize because when you, when you generalize, you... you can perhaps oversimplify, but the the simple version is the Western ideology was kind of the American-led, you know, pro-capitalism, pro-democracy, quote unquote, pro-freedom uh, type of view, and then uh, the kind of Eastern ideology was led by the Soviet Union, which is you know they have uh, communism and Marxism, and they have central control and the state kind of overpowering everything, and so really. The very, very simple way to think of it is kind of the state versus the individual. You had the, the Western ideology was people should be free and, and individuals matter. And then people on the, on the Eastern ideology, kind of the Soviet Union was, um, you know, that the state is what matters and people should be controlled and they should serve the state. So very, very roughly speaking, that's how you can divide the two up. I think that's a good explanation. In fact, this is not for younger kids. I'd say for older teens and, and parents out there, there's a great German movie called Goodbye Lenin that that it does a really good job. It's about the the Cold War and Eastern Western uh, kind of the conflicting beliefs and the young people. And I think that it's a, a great companion to this episode, but maybe watch it first and decide what age or what, you know, if you want your kids to see it. But on the Eastern side of the Iron Curtain, Western fashion and music, like American music and fashion and art, were not allowed because people saw this as dangerous. It was a threat, right? But that didn't stop the young people from sneaking into their culture anyway. Didn't that happen with like blue jeans as well? Yes, that was part of it. Denim became like how we think of like drugs on the black market or things you're not allowed to have. There was like a black market for blue jeans because (laughs) denim denim was huge. It was all the rage, as they said, but they weren't allowed to watch it. Honestly, we could do a whole other episode just on jeans and in the Soviet Union. But it was also music. I, I, there was a lot. Of- well, yeah, and and um, like this, the, this was like peak like rock and roll time in the world, right? In America and Western countries, and like I mean, you think about the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and 
this is like spreading throughout all these Western nations. And, and, you know, there were a lot of adults in America that were scared about the influence of rock and roll over the youth. It was seen as rebellious. It was harder than by harder. I mean, kind of like faster and louder and, and so forth than the music of the past, which was kind of slower and folksier and, and, you know, it was encouraging young people to dress edgy. And, and so you can imagine, you know, how much, um, this was feared behind the iron curtain where, you know, all Westernisms uh, were feared and rock and roll was perceived as a threat, certainly to the, the tight control and conformity of, of kind of the Eastern ideology. That's exactly well. right. And, and communist leaders tried to shelter the young people from this. And they called it, I think it was American uh, primitism, capitalist cultural imperialism. Like they were trying to sling all these names and try to tell the youth, I say the youths, like I'm like 80, the youth that this was, you know, a bad thing. And, and actually those caught sneaking the music into the country or even some of them listening were sometimes arrested. This was a very big deal. And a lot of it is because it represented, like you said, Connor, self-expression. This was individuality in action. And that's a threat to the collectivist ways of communism. And so that's why a lot of times people say, if we look through the history, which we're about to do, rock and roll and jazz killed communism. Well, and it wasn't just rock and roll. I think jazz uh, was yeah. also seen as a threat. Uh, there was a, an aid to Stalin, kind of the head honcho of the Soviet Union. Um, and this aid warned that jazz would uh, poison the consciousness of the masses. <laughs> Even went so far as to say that like the saxophone, which I used That's to play, right. and, and drums, he said they provided too much rhythm <laughs> like what does that even mean and and so they they banned jazz performances this was i think in the 40s right after the end of world war ii and uh you know jazz records that would come into the country were often seized at the border you'd have east german leaders who would encourage so-called civilized dancing with no quote excessive movement of the hips arms or legs like they're getting so controlling that they're trying to say, oh, no, your, your arm is swinging too much. We can't have that. But it's because this dancing and this music was perceived as this self-expression and encouraging too much individualism, not conformity. Think of like North Korea when they're doing their big military yeah. marches and everything is in sync, right? The, the central planners love when like a machine, every little screw and cog and part of the machine is doing exactly what they want. And so the central planners want conformity. But when people are you know, going out and I know you dance I a lot, do. Brittany, and, but, you know, like you're out there and you're just flinging your arms, arms and, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're dancing to the beat of your own drum, as they might <laughs> say. Right. And, and that's very individual expression. So you can see why the central planners feared it and wanted to. What's funny it. about it is like in America, when you look at this history, a lot of the parents in America feared it too. You know, Elvis, people like Elvis, who we'd look at now is like, oh, Elvis is boring. Like kids today would probably say that. Elvis was very edgy back in the day. Now you take that mentality and times it by a million. And that's how it was over, you know, behind the iron curtain. So it's it, time went on. The communist leaders ended up having to soften the rules, honestly, because they couldn't stop it. Like the kids weren't listening to them. They were doing it anyway. They were defying orders. Even when they faced prison time, they didn't care. They wanted the music. They wanted the fashion. They wanted that individuality. So to fight back against this, you know, revolt of the youth, Eastern European leaders tried to promote their own traditional music of dancing, which was like folksy, think like Sound of Music, Edelweiss, like, like it was like that kind of music. And they're like, come on, kids, like bop to this. Bop was what they used to call dancing. I don't know why I turned to an eight-year-old. 
<laughs> but but again, the kids just were in too into Western fashion and music and dancing. And of course, the leaders blamed America juvenile delinquency, as they called it for it and or called it. And remember, this is when there was a lot of protests going on and and people in America were starting to rise up against their government. And so, you know, the communist leaders were thinking like, oh, this is America's fault because there's all this protesting and and youth crime. And, you know, there's other instigation against the government. Now it's happening in, in East Germany. And so it became more widespread throughout the 50s and 60s. And it just became something they couldn't stop. Well, so then, you know, I, I think of when the 60s began, um, it was easier to to get these like tape recorders back in the day, reel to reel tape recorders, as they were called. And so there were a lot more people who had access to to music. You know, one newspaper even went so far as to warn the epidemic of body and vulgar songs copied from tape recorders is spreading faster than a flu virus, <laughs> which is funny to think about in like COVID. Yeah. Faster than the COVID virus. We have music being shared from, you know, one person to another. But again, that kind of plays into um, the individuality of all of this and how, how disruptive it was to the, the controllers. And, you know, part of the significance of, of the Berlin Wall which was, we never really talked about. What can you explain real quick? Because we're going to do a whole episode on this later. But what exactly is the Berlin Wall? Just like a quick, a quick definition. Yeah, I mean, it was literally a wall that separated when 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 World War II ended, and uh, Germany was basically carved up into different pieces. And then in the city of Berlin, um, they carved up Berlin as well. And so even though Berlin was, uh, as I recall, it was in the side of. Uh, East Germany and therefore the Soviet Union, the capital city itself was split up. And so the West had a chunk of Berlin that they had access to, to kind of, you know, fly into and, and, and be controlling. It was very odd how they kind of carved up Germany at the end of the war to try and split things up so that the Nazis could not kind of, you know, restart (laughs) their, process they really wanted to kind of divide it up and separate all these things and so um they had literally this wall with 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 barbed wire and guard dogs and snipers and people from east germany could not escape you know they basically walled people in uh they didn't want them leaving to go to the west uh so very very interesting you can find all kinds of videos and and uh, information about this but Part of the reason for this wall was literally to keep this so-called bad influence out of Eastern Europe. And, and you know, of course, not even a wall could stop kids from enjoying American culture. If there's uh, one way to make something more appealing to oppressed youth, it's to ban it, right? Like tell people you can't have this and they're going to go to great lengths to figure out how to do it. And uh, in a way, communist leaders, by trying to restrict things so much, were really kind of helping rock and roll become more popular because the youth were trying to rebel against their oppressive leaders. And, and music was a kind of a, a safe way, quote unquote, that they could do it relative to, you know, getting a Molotov cocktail and throwing <laughs> it at, like a, at a police station or something. No, that's, that's exactly right. And it almost seemed like the more communists cracked down, the more, you know, the, the young people became obsessed with it. Like it didn't stop. So there's an article from Pacific Legal Foundation that highlights this history. And they there was a quote from the article that says, when authorities attempt to shut down or when they attempted to shut down rock concerts behind the Iron Curtain, attendees started rioting. 
Meanwhile, the soulful grooves, like the sound of disco music, are the newest threat to communist rule, is what they were saying. In Latvia, one newspaper even called disco clubs, which is like dance music, incubators of violence. And this is all because, again, wow. people are flinging their arms and dancing. But, oh, my goodness, how dare they dance to, to anything that wasn't, you know, German folk music. Incubators of violence. You know, <clears throat> I think of, excuse me, as the 1980s began, um, you know, a, a lot of the leaders by this time started to realize, you know, that that the culture around music and the music itself, like, they were too powerful to try and defeat. And and so eventually many of the laws were relaxed. And uh, it's very interesting, as you pointed out here, as we've discussed, like the music in a way started this revolution. It, it empowered people to push back. It, it led to this broader uh, relaxation of laws. And, and before the 1980s came to an end, the Berlin Wall came down. The East and the West were united. It, it didn't take long for so-called western culture to spread like wildfire once the east you know saw all these things that they liked and and the benefits that a freer market provided and you know not just the cultural things like music but just you know products and services and food and gadgets and toys and clothing and all these things and and so these things spread like wildfire and i think it's a very interesting lesson for us about the power of ideas because music music is 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 really about ideas and and especially when you think of that self-expression, the power of individuality, being your own person, being able to you know, grab a saxophone or, or a set of drums and, and create something of your own. That is a powerful act of defiance against the state that wants to control you and only allow you to do what it wants and, and can control. And those ideas are powerful and can even defeat dictatorships in communist Soviet Union. That's the thing I think we forget a lot of the time is that music and culture play a huge role in influencing and, and changing politics. You know, parents were scared of the Beatles. The government was scared of the Beatles because they thought like, oh, no, this group is getting too powerful. They're too, you know, they're too anti-war. So so music and art, it's a big challenge to the government. And it's one that you can do without violence. So a lot of cool lessons in this story. I think another thing that that I always really love to point out, and we pointed this out in this, the tragic story of the White Rose as well, is that young people can make a difference. I think we forget about that a lot of the time. And, and a lot of people think I'm too young to make a difference. But just by dancing, just by listening to music and wearing blue jeans, these young people were able to essentially end the Cold War. So I think that's a really important lesson to take from this story. Pretty impressive. Guys, head to the show notes page for more information about the topic we've discussed today, tuttletwins.com slash podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. We really appreciate it. Brittany, great conversation. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.